Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fanatics. My name's Andy, and I'm here with Matt in London. Hi, Matt. Hello. And I'm here with Ben in LA. Hi, Ben. Hello. Good. Well, let's start off, as always, with the football moments of the week. And Matt, you can kick us off. Um, well, being international fixtures and an, an, an English person, uh, like football highlight, I guess, is the England game, although it wasn't much of a game uh, to, to say a highlight about. Um, in fact, I almost fell asleep in the second half. But I say my, my highlight of the England game was that seeing the papers the next day where I think eight of them all had the same headline of a reality check. Um, <laughs> They're so um, clever, aren't they? I know, I know. There's such, such witty journalism uh, going on across the board. Uh, that, that's that, that very basic play on words. All right, good, good. Uh, how much of the game? I, I, I didn't manage to watch the game from over here. I, I don't think Ben did either. It's one of those things with the international week, I think, that because so much focus goes into the Premier League these days, it feels like a bit of a lull, doesn't it? Yeah, it's international break is always a bit boring. If, if any fancy fan as well, where you basically usually got 10 games to look forward to seeing how all your different players do, to suddenly having just one match where you sort of have a vague interest, but you know England have basically qualified already so it doesn't really matter um it's considerably less interesting football um and it wasn't even a very good game i mean england probably could have got a draw but wasted their chances czech public played quite well uh but it was czech public playing quite well it's like saying like a a lower end premier league slash championship side played well and somehow managed to get a win against england yeah, it's, it's really interesting that because when you think back to England being rubbish and how that coincided with like real interest and heartbreak with Gaza crying and then with Beckham scoring that free kick against Greece and stuff like that, like that, that was real fun. And now England are like good and easily qualifying. We're like, oh, it's boring. <laughs> yeah. But then I guess, does it really matter like losing a qualifier? We used to be, usually been really good at qualifiers and then rubbish in the major tournament. So uh, I don't mind so much being average in qualifying if it means that we can actually focus for a major tournament a bit more yeah that's true that's true okay good england losing is a highlight these days wow <laughs> uh ben what's your highlight so my highlight is i've been following this story it hasn't got much coverage in the u.s but uh, apparently colleen rooney wayne rooney's uh, wife and rebecca vardy jamie vardy's wife have had this massive spat. I assume it's getting a lot of coverage in England with the tabloids. Where... Twitter is a meltdown in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> where... Let's see if I can describe this. Um, Colleen has for years, I think, been trying to figure out who has been leaking her stories to The Sun, which um, if our listeners are not in England, is like uh, an English tabloid, probably the worst English tabloid perhaps. Um, and she managed to figure this out doing some detective work on her Instagram where you can on Instagram set your settings so only certain people can see them. And I think she had set her audience to just one person, uh, Rebecca Vardy, and was leaking stories on her Instagram story and then figured out that they were turning up in the sun. And then um, she called out Rebecca. Was it over Twitter or over something? Yeah, over Twitter. Uh, it, was the, yeah. it was Instagram, wasn't it? Oh, she, it was Instagram. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot of uh, detective work. One thing I, I couldn't understand, and maybe Matt, because you're in England, you can help explain to me, is how is this leaking if you're posting it 
on your Instagram story. Isn't it like fairly public? Um, oh, that, no, that was the was, one part I didn't understand. So it was on her Instagram private feed just to her friends. Oh, uh, okay. Um, yeah. And then she did three fake stories, all of which made it into the papers. Um, and she'd only revealed those fake stories to Rebecca Vardy's account. Mm, mm. And then Rebecca Vardy's claiming that someone else has access to her account. That's her excuse at the moment. Yeah, um, the old someone hacked me excuse. No one's ever used that one before, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought, thought, thought so it was I hard to believe that Rebecca Vardy yeah. needs her Instagram account managed for her <laughs> by, by a team of people. Um, I think my the the funniest stuff I saw on Twitter was more from the FPL angle where where people were commenting on Rebecca Vardy's post and being like, "Ooh, I hope Jamie's okay. He's he's got a good run of fixtures coming up. I hope he's not too distracted." Um, I think my favorite thing about this has been the Sun's own coverage of it because surely the only people that can actually like solve the problem, solve the the mystery are the son because that's who the stories were reported to right so they must know who reported it to them but their coverage of it is brilliant because they're like talking <laughs> about how this mystery person leaked it to quote unquote the press <laughs> and how like these poor friends have fallen out over this mystery like no it's not a mystery you know exactly what happened <laughs> you are the only people that can make that can make this right and you're refusing to <laughs> So yeah, that's that's been a lot of fun. I'd, I'd recommend reading some of the Sun's headlines on this because in, through the through the lens of them being the actual uh, like <laughs> people with the key piece of evidence is brilliant. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Excellent highlight, Ben. I like that one. Um, my highlight is a little bit less uh, less hilarious, but um, it, I think my highlight is the Netherlands pulling through against uh, Northern Ireland, which is possibly an unusual one for uh, for, you know because it was a home nation losing. Um, but the Netherlands have been on a really bad run for a long time recently, um, like years we're talking, where uh, they've had some pretty poor players in their team and like a, you know, really not doing justice to the, to the great Dutch sides of the past. Um, but their team looks pretty good now. Like they've got um, Delight and Van Dijk at the back, which is obviously a really, really good uh, centre-back pairing. Memphis Depay is on form up front. They've got Frankie De Jong in midfield. Like it's a, it looks like a, a, a good team is starting to come together there with uh, uh, sort of a blend of, of youth and experience as well. And find some of the experienced players are only experienced in losing. But um, yeah, the young players coming through look really good. So yeah, I think my highlight is uh, the, how do you pronounce it? The Oranje looking like they're going to come good again. Yeah, they might qualify for the next major tournament, which would be a, uh massive uptick for them and they uh yeah I, I think just having van dyke at the back just means they're now really really solid uh, as a as a as a team they're really solid but they've also got a midfield of de jong and vinaldum who are both playing for two of uh, europe's top sides um they've got um i mentioned Depay already who's uh although he's not like uh one of the you know, the, like one of the best players in the world, he is on form at the moment, and you know when he's on form, he scores a lot of goals. Um, yeah, so I, I think the sort of core of their team is looking a lot better than it has done for a long time. Yeah, good shout. Good. All right, moving on from the real football moments of the week, let's go cast our minds back a couple of weeks to the last FPL week, 
and uh, and see what our FPL moments of the week were. So, Matt, do you want to go first? Um, so, yes, so I got 55 points uh, last week, which I think was like one of the top out of our, our podcast league and our, and our podcast rivalry that we have uh, between each other. Um, and that, I think, was in large thanks to uh, Sebastian Haller finally getting me some points up front. He was, uh, he was getting near to getting uh, sacked uh, for my team, but uh, he came through of a, of a nice goal finally to uh, repay some of my faith. And he is eff- effectively my differential. So uh, even though Mount Abraham and Mane got more points in my team, uh, Haller was the one that meant I caught up others in the Super League. And um, I remember watching that goal and uh, cheering in the pub very loudly and not not many people looking a bit confused because I wasn't a West Ham fan. <laughs> <laughs> Why I'd be so pleased about that happening. Uh, so yeah, um, that was that was that was a sweet moment. Yeah, I think uh, Hal is a pretty good pick. You know, um, he's one. Of, he doesn't have a, like a great goal scoring record from from in uh, in previous leagues, but I think the way West Ham are set up is really important to them. Like a, the sort of focal point of all of their play, quite similar to how. Giroud was for um, for Chelsea last season, which means that he will play whenever he's fit. He's a centre forward, so he's not going to get zero goals. And I think he might see him chip in with with assists too. So I think you've got a decent player on your hands there, Matt. Yeah, I mean he's, I think he he's decent. He's seven point four million. Um, West Ham will score goals. He will get points over the course of the season. I guess the there's quite a lot of competition though for strikers, and so. He's he's got to do it uh, currently, I think, to to be to be in my team at the moment. And uh, so I'm hoping he finds some form essentially because he seems to go just for a, a bow and spell a little bit. Good, um, Ben. What's your uh, FPL moment of the week? So I got 45 points, and that was enough for a green arrow. I think my highlight is just basically the consistency of. Uh, Sadio Mane. Um, so I think a lot of us in our mini league had Mane over Salah. Um, he got 12 points. And he's now actually overtaken Salah. Um, so I think he's proving better value. And I don't know if it's controversial, but um, I think he's a better player than Salah, especially, I think, this season. Um, so yeah, Sadio Mane is my my highlight. Yeah, those two are interesting. My sort of... Um perspective on is it seems like um over the course of a season Mane is like the big game player who shows up against the top sides and Salah is the one who puts away the smaller sides with just consistently like um scoring the quote-unquote easy goals against the easier teams so if you sort of flip between the two of them you you can get some uh, some good returns and Mane Liverpool had some some big fixtures at the start of the season which has sort of shown Mane being being on form at the start I think um, people who've had money up until this point have really benefited. So against the game against United, would you call call that a big game or not? Or do you think that's a Salah game? <laughs> I, th- I think it's a local rivalry. It's a money game. It's a money game because it's a local rivalry. Yeah, certainly not because uh, against the top side. <laughs> <laughs> um, my football highlight. Well, it's not really a highlight at the moment of the week. I agonised uh, for the last week for a long time because my two goalkeepers were um, were uh, Ryan and Heaton. And I, I sort of saw the the, uh, the Tottenham result coming. I didn't see 3-0 coming. I saw a clean sheet for, um, for Brighton coming in that game. And I just sort of thought, no, 
stop it, Andy. You're an idiot. There's no way Brighton are going to keep a clean sheet against Tottenham. So um, I, at the last minute, switched and put Hung Min Son back in the side and Tom Heaton back in the side. And then I benched Matt Ryan and Lewis Dunk. Ouch. Uh, which was a, uh, a 17. I ended up with 17 points on the bench. Uh, as a result of that, which was a huge swing, obviously. It made my it turned my week from being a, what would have been a really good week with lots of points that nobody else got into a 36-point week. So, big moment there, not seeing that result. Well, actually seeing the result coming and not listening to my gut. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I also had uh, Dunk on the bench and Greenwood blocking him with a 20-minute substitution against Newcastle. So, that was quite annoying. <laughs> That was my personal highlight of the Man United game. <laughs> <laughs> watching that trans, uh, watching that substitution, <laughs> a little wry smile across my face, like yes, <laughs> we might yeah. be shit, but at least at least someone else is suffering in fantasy football. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually finally got rid of. I've, I've still got Greenwood, but I've got rid of Dan James for this week as well. Finally, um, taken a long time for me to sort of accept that that's not a good player to have in your team because man you were rubbish but um i finally bitten the bullet yeah I and mean, he he looks good on the field i just he's just a, he's just prospect isn't he he's not the finished product so you can't really rely on him from week to week well i think if he was playing for liverpool for example he'd get lots of points but he's not he's playing for man U, so he's not going to mm, i think if he was playing for liverpool uh as as a wide forward then he wouldn't be getting a lot of minutes <laughs> you know what I mean. I, you, I mean, like if he if he was uh, playing for a, let's say playing for Chelsea, I think he'd be getting a lot of points for Chelsea. But uh, man, you have such an appalling attacking setup that um, there's not really much chance of getting points. So yeah, um, that that was the tipping point. Like that game was the tipping point for me to finally accept that um, it's not worth. Yeah, I'm not going to talk you out of that one. I think it was a good call. Yeah, sadly so. Anyway, let's move on from there. Um, so, yeah, that's my, my, my FPL moment of the week was pretty depressing. Um, and we're going to take a break now before we move on to the upcoming fixtures. Welcome back. We're going to look ahead now at, uh, at next week's fixtures, with the first one of which is Everton against West Ham. So, uh, Matt, this is one for you. Do you want to kick us off with this? Sure. So, um, this is my boy Haller will be playing in this game, and I, I definitely be playing him against that Everton defence. Um, I think they're saying Silver might be the next one for the sack um, at the moment because Everton seem to be underperforming at the moment and very underwhelming. Um, having said that, it is Everton at home and Everton's squad is, is pretty strong. So this is a difficult game to predict. Um, I just I reckon there'll probably be goals for both both teams uh, because both teams, I think, have fairly strong attacks and pretty weak defences. Um, although Everton's in theories could be a strong defence, it just doesn't play very well at the moment. I think maybe they're missing. Uh, they sold Idrissa Gay to PSG and I think maybe they, their lack of coverage now... Um, uh, in midfield is probably probably uh, putting too much pressure on their their back four. Um, so yeah, I think it's an interesting game. If you've got players uh, for either side, uh, then um, I'd go for it. And I think the the question mark I've heard being debated is is now the time to dump Dinia if you haven't already and um, 
this is sort of test case type game. I reckon if you've got him, it's not necessarily an emergency sale, but he might be the one. You might just give him just this game to see if he can get a goal or assist. Um, question from me for you on this, Matt, is uh, a player that I've been debating um, bringing into my team is Yarmolenko, who is by nine points the uh, the top-scoring midfielder for West Ham, who are a team that like to attack. He seems to be just 100% cutting edge. He doesn't add much to the sort of build-up play. Um, do you think he's on form or do you think he's a good asset? So his price, what is he, six million now, I think he's gone up, gone up in price a bit, is, is fantastic. Um, midfield is really quite competitive at the moment, so it's interesting. I think he's a good pick for the moment because he's on form, he seems to be scoring quite a lot, and West Ham's system, um, much to my disdain, when Hallas seemed to be getting all the supply lines, suddenly... Uh, when one of the wingers was Yarmolenko, who would just cut in and shoot himself, meant that Haller was getting less chances. Uh, but that's that's very good for Yarmolenko owners. My only worry, I guess, is the Yarmolenko has been injury-prone his entire career, so you're probably just waiting for that moment that uh, one of his limbs pops and that'll be him for the season. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, he, he, he obviously has, has even, even right up to last season, has a terrible run with injuries, doesn't he? Um, yeah, good point. Good point. Um, all right. Uh, any any players that you think you should uh, look out for on the uh, on either side, really, other than um, Haller and Yamalenko, or are those the two? Well, Haller and Yamalenko for West Ham, I think, are the ones on form at the moment. I mean, you could pick the other ones, but I think they're the ones that uh, are definitely the, the sort of the hot fantasy assets at the moment. Um, for Everton, as I say, I think Luca Dean is the sort of expensive fullback that. Started the season pretty solidly. Um, definitely gone off the boil. I think he's out of most teams now. I think he's still a bit of a differential who over the course of the season will get goals and assists. So I think he could still come good. Um, he's just in a, a bit of a quiet run at the moment. Um, and then Everton generally, I think they're, they're up front. It's, it's not quite clear who their main man's going to be, but someone like Richarlison or Sigurdsson could put a run of, run of games together. Uh, but they just haven't had in recent weeks. Fair enough. All right. Uh, thank you for that. Next next fixture is uh, Aston Villa against Brighton, which is one for Ben. Two teams that have come off pretty good results last week. Yeah, so Villa absolutely thrashed Norwich 5-1. I think a lot of people didn't see that coming. And then even more surprising, Brighton beating Spurs 3-0. So two form teams. Um, I think on the Villa side, a lot of options, actually, I think. Uh, John McGinn is a favourite, although quite hilariously, he didn't get any points in the 5-1 win. And I think he actually got a yellow card, so he got one point. So that was pretty fun. <laughs> that was pretty fun as a non-owner. Um, I just saw he, he scored a hat-trick just now against San Marino for Scotland. So um, he is a man in form. Uh, you have Grealish as well, El Ghazi and Wesley up front. So all those guys picking up points. Um, the only thing is Villa have a pretty tough fixture run coming up. So I think it's if you have them, stick with them. And if you don't, uh, maybe it's not the greatest time to bring them in. On the Brighton side, uh, you know, I think Lewis Dunk is in my team. I think he's, he's pretty solid. Um, I think the one emerging player I've got my eye on is um, the forward uh, Aaron Connolly at 4.5. He's been coming off the bench. He's like a youth player that I think plays for Ireland. 
Um, but he actually started the Tottenham game and looked really good. He scored two goals and he's only 4.5. So I'm kind of looking at him potentially as a, a Greenwood replacement uh, if he can nail down a spot or even if he, if he continues um, occasionally starting and coming off the bench. So, um, But in terms of result, I think Brighton are actually the better team, especially this season. Um, so I'm backing uh, goals in this one and, and Brighton to win. Brian are an interesting side. They've um, something that I think has gone a little bit under the radar is how much upheaval they've had in their side due to either transfers or injuries, and they seem to have ridden that wave pretty well, don't they? Yeah, and they just—I think they just played good football, <laughs> and they played Spurs off the park, which was um, surprising. And uh, yeah, I think they're they're a decent side now. Yeah, they are. Um, I, but yeah, I, I didn't miss your little on the Brighton side. Uh, comment there, Ben. That was that was much appreciated. Um, yeah, my, my my take on this game actually, which I uh, I don't know whether you guys agree with. I'd be interested to hear Matt's on that. Matt's been on this as well. Is that Brighton seem really well placed to just take Villa? Like their 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 strength is passing through the middle, and Villa are really weak in the middle um, defensively. That is, um, and if you think about the likes of Mope and Connolly very different from what they used to have last season with Murray. It's a lot of movement and pace um, against sort of giants like Tyrone Mings. Um, that could be that, that, that could be a very difficult thing for the, uh, the Villa defence to cope with. Conversely, the, uh, the Brighton defence is very well placed, I think, to deal with the threat of Wesley, who's a big giant. Um, what's his name? The guy at the back. Um, Burn. I was going to say your man Dunk, probably. Well, Dunk's pretty tall, yeah, but but Burn is like six 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 seven or something. So there's no way you're going to win headers against him. Um, so yeah, I I think this might be a, a game that's set up for Brighton. Hmm. I'm, but I'm intrigued because I think Aston Villa. Um, I mean, they absolutely thumped uh, Norwich away. Uh, so I think their tails are slightly up. Um, they've had a few decent results recently, and I think Brighton played really well against Tottenham. But before that game, they hadn't had. A, brilliant run of form so I think it's much closer than that I, I would say that coming into the season these two clubs are pretty evenly matched uh, Villa at home probably gives them a slight edge in my opinion but uh, we shall see Alright well the next game is one for me um, it's Bournemouth against Norwich um, I think there is little doubt there's little doubt in my mind that Bournemouth are going to win this I think that the uh, the, the canary in the coal mine has died for Norwich and they're, they're going to tail off now. Um, so for people who own Pookie and Cantwell, I've already removed Pookie from my team. Um, I'd encourage others to do the same. Um, I think that they, they, you know, they, they had like a high when they joined the league. Um, they seem to have struggled a little bit of recent. And then last week's result, I think, is a real punch in the gut for them. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a Bournemouth win. And I think, it's going to, I think we've seen the beginning of the end of Norwich's good form. Um, so yeah, I think if, in terms of players that I'd be picking out right now, and a lot of people have uh, have got uh, Harry Wilson in their side from his sort of um, propensity to shoot a lot. I think he's uh, definitely a good pick for this game. Um, Callum Wilson obviously is always a, a reliable scorer for for Bournemouth. Um, Ryan Fraser this season hasn't really shown the the heights that he did last season. I think the uh, the creative burden seems to have been shared more evenly around the. Um, the Bournemouth midfield this season so um, I would maybe I think at 7.1 he's slightly overpriced this season 
his, his pricing is maybe based on his performance last season rather than what I, I think he's going to do this season. So, yeah, I think um, if I was going to pick players for this team, it would be Harry Wilson or the two Wilsons from uh, from Bournemouth. Yeah, it's pretty solid. Um, but, yeah, Bournemouth always seem to have those goal-scoring assets. Uh, people thought it was Fraser this season. That seems to have swapped to uh, Harry Wilson. But Callum Wilson, I, I everyone thought he'd maybe a bit pricey at the start of the season, but he's he's kind of justified that price tag so far. And if I could reach up from Hallow up to Will, Callum Wilson, I'd be quite tempted because uh, he's just so consistent at the moment. Yeah, he absolutely is. And the the interesting thing as well about Bournemouth is that they've um, they've kind of I don't know, they, their fixture list is a bit difficult to to work with this season. I think that that's, that was the thing that turned me away from Callum Wilson is that there's no sort of like period of games where they're like green, 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 green. Um, but if you look at their, their upcoming run, um, their red fixtures are Man United and Tottenham. <laughs> and, uh, apart from that, they've got Norwich, Watford, Newcastle, Wolves is a tough game and, and Palace by game week 15 might not be flying as high as they are right now. So yeah, I think that their, their upcoming run of fixtures actually is pretty tasty. So um, could be a good pick. All right, moving on from uh, from Bournemouth Norwich, we've got Chelsea Newcastle, which is one for Matt. Um, so, I mean, if people haven't got on the Abraham and Mount train, uh, then this looks like another attractive feat, uh, fixture for Chelsea and their their young boys to uh, to add to their their tallies this season. So, um, I think this is this might be my pick for um, sort of uh, the the thrashing of the week. So, Newcastle got obviously a fantastic result at home to Man United. Uh, Steve Bruce really, really needed that result, um, but I think it was slightly handed to them by Man United's abject display rather than anything spectacular from Newcastle. And so, I think what looks like a pretty decent Chelsea side could be a real threat here. And if if you already have Abraham and, and Mount, then um, I think people will be looking around what Tamori, Hudson Odoi. There seems to be a fair few potential bargains at Chelsea at the moment. Um, and so this would be another one where maybe they can uh, get some points. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Here's a, uh, a, a conundrum for you, Matt. Is what what is the, do you think is the uh, the um, the outlook for Christian Pulisic? Because he came in obviously big signing, um, big expectations. Hasn't really played much um, of late. Do you think he's going to come back into the side? Do you think he's um, not really working out for them? Like, what's your view on him? I mean, honestly, I don't know. I, I didn't really watch Dortmund play. He came with a pretty lofty uh, reputation, but uh, obviously Frank Lampard uh, uh, hasn't really built his team around him or, or, or played him that much so far. So maybe he's just not all that when he gets compared to hudson Adoy and Willian in training. Um, but uh, Chelsea have quite a deep squad, so uh, if he... It, it, it's... I think there's definite risk of rotation. Uh, maybe he'll come good later in the season. He's, he's quite a young kid, isn't he? So he's got time in his hands, but um, yeah, he's, he's certainly not hit the ground running. Yeah, he, well, it's funny because he's looked good when he's played to me. He's, uh, you know, he had that run in the, uh, the game against Liverpool in the Super Cup. Um, you know, he got, a, I think he got an assist last time he came on, so it doesn't look like he's doing badly, but, you know, yeah. Lampard doesn't seem to fancy him. I mean, maybe it's just like... Uh, in the way that Daniel James is sort of overplayed at Man United because there's no one else, uh, maybe Lampard has the luxury of slowly like bringing him into his team and giving him minutes here and there to, uh, as he adjusts the league uh, and getting 
getting sort of that proper treatment to bed him into the team over time. Yeah, one one uh, delightful consequence of this is that obviously because of Pulisic, Chelsea are on TV every week in the States and he just never plays. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. <laughs> All right. Oh dear. Um, <laughs> yeah, well done, NBC. Good job. Um, next one is Leicester Burnley, which is one for Ben. Yeah, so Leicester, I think that a lot of people saying um, will be very competitive for top four. I think most people in the FPL community know they have an amazing sea of green run of fixtures up to, I think, game week 17, um, which is in mid-December. And I think they were a little bit unfortunate to lose to to Liverpool. So I think defensively, um, I think a lot of good options. Uh, Pereira for the expensive option at 6.2. So Yonchu at 4.7 for the cheap option. He's the one I have. And then I think even Ben Chilwell in the middle at 5.4 is, is a decent shout as well. Um, James Madison, probably the pick in midfield. Um, he's someone I'm definitely looking at at a pretty reasonable uh, 7.2 million. And then uh, Jamie Vardy at, at 9 million up front. Um, seems like a pretty good shout. Um, Burnley have kept things pretty tight. I mean, they beat Everton, which was good. I just think Leicester will probably have a, a little bit uh, too much for them. I was looking at the previous fixtures. Um, their last three games have been uh, Leicester won this fixture last year, 2-1. And then previously it was a nil-nil draw. Um, so I think it'll be tight, um, but I, I expect Leicester to win. And, and now maybe uh, a good time to get in Leicester assets uh, for their good fixture run now that the Liverpool game is out of the way. Yeah, I think that's a, a pretty decent prediction. Um, it may not kick off against Burnley, right, because they're a good side defensively, but following that, I think it's uh, they're, they're on a very, very good run. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what, uh, if you're planning to get defenders in, I think, Leicester, I think that this would probably a good, be a good fixture to get them in because I, I don't think Burnley have too much of a threat um, going forward, although... Um, I know Gary will be upset because he's a, a big Chris Wood fan, but uh, I, I could see Leicester keeping clean sheet here. Yeah, agreed. I mean, uh, also the other thing, of course, with Leicester is the um, haircut of the season is a very, very high bar this season with the likes of Genduzi, Louise, Sam Maximan, but Kaglasa Yinchu must be a, con- a contender for that award, right? Oh, yeah, I think he, he's got to be in contention for sure. <laughs> that is... Excellent. Oh, very well quaffed, man. All right. Um, next one is mine. It's uh, Spurs against Watford. Um, Spurs obviously coming off a really, really poor result um, last week, which I, as I've already um, outlined, I did not see coming. I'm not sure whether anybody else on the pod did, but um, the they're a really interesting side because they're, they're obviously a lot better than they're currently performing. And they've now got this game against Watford who are also performing very, very badly. So this could be one with Spurs at home. I think that bucks the trend of Spurs recently performing badly. Um, I, despite my disappointment from last week, have held on to home and so on. And I plan to play in this week on the grounds that um, I think doesn't matter how bad Spurs seem to be on form wise, they, it was. It's not that long ago they won four 0 at home, and I think Watford is another team that they could, you know, just class will tell, and they'll be a lot better. So um, I think, yeah, this is this is the one. I think I, 
if if Spurs do win, I don't think you can then say great turning point they're good again because they, you know, they could very easily fall down the down the pit again the following week. But and they've got a couple of tough fixtures coming up soon too. Um, but I think this one is a, is probably a good one to play Spurs assets. I don't know whether you guys agree with that. Yeah, so I have Harry Kane, and um, I, I really have wanted to get rid of him for a while. But yeah, like you said, I there's no I can't justify getting rid of him before he plays Watford at home. Um, so I, I'm going to give them one more week, and uh, yeah, I think I have a similar read to you. Where even if they beat them four 0 or something, I'm not going to be like, "Oh, Spurs are back," because um, yeah, after the the Brighton game, and lest we forget, they they conceded seven at home to Bayern, which was pretty funny as a non-Spurs fan as well. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the the next fixture is Liverpool, right? So if you've got any 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 anybody who uh, has either you know thought Walker Peters was a <laughs> you know uh, a nifty pick, I think um, that could be a tough fixture. Sorry, Matt, what were you going to say? Um, I was going to say, as, as a, a, a manager doesn't have any Spurs assets, um, I'm not quaking in my boots in the way that I think I would usually be about Spurs playing at home to Watford. Uh, I just feel that, yeah, Spurs are on terrible form. Watford, they've got their new manager who's really defensive, probably going to try and like park the bus, but he's had a few more weeks now on the training ground to put that system in place. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a low-scoring affair. Oh, the only other player I wanted to bring up was uh, Gazaniga, the 4.4 goalkeeper. I'm not saying you should get him in, but he's cheap. Um, and Lloris is, I think, out for till end of year. Like, I think he broke his elbow or something. Um, so if, if you still had a wild card or something and you wanted a, a cheap goalkeeper, um, I just wanted to f- flag him. He is though only 0.1 cheaper than the likes of Ryan and Heaton and like other goalkeepers who are first team and not conceding as many goals as Spurs. So although obviously goalkeepers getting injured for top sides is always like a red alert thing for for FPL players. Not really. Even if I had a wild card right now, I don't think I'd bring in Casaniga. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I kind of agree. But um, if if you were if you believe Spurs would get it together, then maybe a good shout. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe one of our Spurs supporting friends will take that and run with it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, Matt, back to you for Wolves against Southampton. Yeah, so I don't have any Wolves asset or Southampton assets, so this game is is pretty boring to me actually. Uh, they and I'm not particularly tempted by either. I mean, Wolves obviously had a fantastic result. Um, like beating Man City away uh, and Adama Traore, I think getting his first two goals in the Premier League. Um, so uh, people have been shouting him out as like a £5 million asset that potentially might go on form. But I think it, it, it's most signs are that it might have been a one-off too. So I, I wouldn't be rushing to him just yet. Jimenez is pretty consistent. But then I think up front, there's quite a few strikers and at, at what, seven and a half or just below, he's, it's, it's a bit pricey for... Uh, compared to what you can get with Abraham and, and co. So uh, I'm just not that tempted by Wolves at the moment. I think the Europa League is slightly draining them, even if they are capable of pulling off uh, good results from now and then. And as for Southampton, they just, I don't know, they, they struggle to score a bit. Um, everyone thought maybe Che Adams was the guy at the start of the season, but then he just didn't score. Danny Ings, I mean, he got a goal when they lost 4-1, but he seems to be scoring like bad goals. Uh I think he got one against Liverpool where basically 
the keeper, I think, maybe cleared it into him um, and he went to the back of the net. So I wouldn't say he's like uh, showing much promise. Um, so I think it could be a close game, but I, I don't think it's got massive fantasy interest, to be honest. I am surprised to hear you say that. I think that Wolves were like one of the one of the teams for fantasy players last season. Um, and they've obviously struggled thus far this season. But I don't know, I, I, I feel like w- w- the Wolves' defence is of real interest to me right now. Um, the likes of Bolly and Cody at 5.0, if Wolves can get back to the kind of defensive stability that they had last season, um, that they could be really good value, I think. Do you not agree? Um, I, I mean, I guess so. I mean, I guess I haven't been looking for defenders recently, so uh, maybe that's why my my eyes aren't sort of on the Wolves' defence. But um, even at five million, there's quite a few defenders at four and a half million. Um, and the general trend recently has been to like take money out of defence and put it into your midfield and up front. So if you can save that 0.5 million and get Sionchu from from Leicester instead of uh, Bolly, then uh, then you I think you're probably getting a better team's defence in Leicester than you are in Wolves, and you're also saving money. So. I think that you're right that they're they're fairly decent assets. I just think there's slightly better value out there because Wolves played so well last season. Their assets have been just slightly higher priced, and they don't don't look like bargains anymore. Fair enough. All right, um, I will uh, take your take your lead on that, Matt. No, no Wolves defenders for me. I, I feel feel annoyed that I'm giving you like all these tips and advice for like, the <laughs> so you can use them against me. I need, I need you to give some me some tips back. <laughs> We'll see about that. See, I'm the host this week, man. I get to ask you the questions. <laughs> um, ben, you're up next. It's Crystal Palace against Man City. Um, interesting game, I think. So I think there's a, a theory going around that City definitely don't play well without uh, Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, and that was a big reason they lost to Wolves. And... Um, obviously, KDB is having a rest over international break. Pep says he has a good chance of being back um, after the break. But, you know, Pep, Pep just lies all the time. Um, so <laughs> um, I think most most uh, FPL managers do have De Bruyne in their team. He's amazing value. If you're like me, you got him very early on. So you have quite a bit of money tied up in him. So I'm eagerly awaiting um, news on De Bruyne. I think with him back they'll be able to win. Um, without him, I think they will still win, but um, will be a, a pretty tough game. I think Palace got a, a really good result away at West Ham. I wasn't expecting them to, to win that game. Um, and if you still have Martin Kelly at 4, 4 million, 4.1, I think he definitely is nailed now because um, they have all their defenders back and uh, Martin Kelly is still starting um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough game. Um, this, this fixture last year, I looked it up. Um, City won 3-1. Um, I can see maybe uh, a 2-1 or 3-1. Um, the other thing is, I have Otamendi, and I think a lot of people brought him in at a cheap price. I'm kind of regressing that move. I think with with Fernandinho and Otamendi at the back, it's just not, not a super great uh, combination. Um, so yeah, I think City will win. I'm I'm a little bit anxious captaining <coughs> captaining some of their key players like Aguero, Sterling, if they don't have De Bruyne. Um a lot of people are interested in Mares too, if De Bruyne is out. Um 
because I think he's a pretty good price at around um, 8.5 million, I think. Um, but I'm a little bit less tempted because I, I just think they rotate too much. But yeah, I don't know what you guys think about this this game. Yeah, that, that comment about not playing well without De Bruyne, I think is, uh, I know there's been a lot of talk about it on online, but I think it's complete nonsense. They won the league without him for most of the season last year in one of the most competitive Premier League um, chases in history. I think it's far more about the second thing you said, which is trying to play Fernandinho at centre-back. First of all, they've lost Fernandinho from their midfield, which is a transition anywhere in itself. And secondly, Otamendi and the midfielder is not a central defence upon which a, a title chase is, uh, is built. I think that's a real problem for them. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm also an Otamendi owner and um, it's just not worked out. They had these fantastic fixtures, but he's just not keeping those clean sheets that we thought he would keep simply because uh, they would keep the ball all the time and not give away any chances. Um, but uh, he, he seems to uh, be very keen to give away a chance at every limited opportunity he gets. Uh, so it's, it's one way I'm certainly maybe looking at maybe cashing in on him uh, fairly soon. But having said that, I don't think Palace are the highest scoring team, and therefore, this one of the, I may be tempted to, to keep with him for one more week just to see how he goes. Um, so, no, Jordan, are you the captain this week then? No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my, my city defender is Zinchenko, who I was uh, really pleased with picking out because nobody else did, and now I understand why. Um, Next game is Man United against Liverpool, which I have spared you guys the ignominy of having to describe Man United against Liverpool this season. Um, I actually was looking forward to this before the season started. I uh, I, w- I had this uh, completely misplaced faith in Man United that it would become this great counter-attacking side and uh, against a team like Liverpool, who obviously are extremely attacking and leave a lot of space out wide when, uh, when two full-backs attack. I thought, great, this is perfectly set up. Liverpool are obviously better than us, but we might get an upset at Old Trafford. Not a chance. I really don't see that now. Um, I think that Liverpool are going to be, even without Salah, because he's doubtful for this game, even without him, I just don't see any hope for Man United in this game. So, um, I, for those uh, who are sort of um, doubtful about me putting my money where my mouth is, I have transferred out Daniel James for this, specifically for this week. Um, brought in Hudson Odoi, so I've uh, definitely backed myself my 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 uh, my talk on that. Um, I think this is one for. I, normally, you'd think, oh, do I want to play my Liverpool assets? Definitely against Man United. If you've got some of those players like Milner or somebody who um, isn't one of the highest priced players, you don't have to play him. Honestly, I'd say play him. Anyone you got from Liverpool, it's one of those weeks. I am very depressed. What do would you, you would you captain them? I think you he, captain a Salah or Mane? I would captain Mane if I had him, yeah. Um, the, only, the, only, <laughs> the, the only reason not to do that, I think, is if you have Chelsea players. Because if you've got um, either Abraham or Mount, then that might be a decent captaincy shout against against Newcastle. But um, I think the reasons for not captaining Mane are because you've got somebody better rather than because he's not a good pick. Yeah, I can't disagree with you. <laughs> I, I don't want to comment on this match. <laughs> All right. Well, I've done that now, so you don't have to, Matt. Good, good. Let's move on to Sheffield United uh, Arsenal very, very quickly. Yeah. 
That was um, my segue. That was my segue. <laughs> but you do have to comment on <laughs> Sheffield United against Arsenal. Um, so it's sort of Lundstrom versus Aubameyang, as far as I can, as far as I read it these days. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I think uh, Lundstrom, our box to box midfielder for for Sheffield United, will uh, be hopefully running up and down and helping his defence keep a clean sheet, uh, which he might well get because Arsenal. Uh, always a bit shaky on the road, uh, have looked a little bit patchy form, but there's always that man of Bamiyan just to, to, to spring up and get a goal, which he seems to have done almost every single going week, except for the last one, um, when they managed to win 1 0 without Bamiyan for once this season. Uh, so it's, uh, it's a clash of the titans between Lundstrom and Bamiyan, and we'll, it'll be interesting to see who comes out on top. Yeah, I think you, I think you are right about that. Um... There is one sort of puzzle wrapped in an enigma disguised as a conundrum. Um, Nicolas Pepe looks like one of the most talented players the Premiership has, full stop. Like, he can dribble past players like nobody's business. Um, But his end product has been awful thus far. Do you think that's one that's going to get solved at some point, or do you think he's going to just fizzle out perpetually? Um. I think over the years, it's been loads of players that have been like really, really gifted uh, te- technically, but have never quite got the goals because they seem to lack in other parts of their game, whether it's just tactical nous or a bit of positioning or just maybe they panic when they actually get into the the, the, the box. Um, and and maybe for Leo in, and uh, last season where he scored lots of goals, uh, he just had a little bit more time. So when it came to finishing, he just had a bit more time and He's just taking time to adjust, so maybe he'll adjust and he'll become a really great player. Uh, goal and two assists is a all right start to his career in the Premier League, but uh, maybe equally he uh, he'll be one of those players that forever sort of slightly frustrates. So you think a bit like a Zaha or a Martial, where you're thinking, oh, he sh- he should be he could be a world beater, but doesn't quite live up to those expectations. And that, it's just too early to judge that yet. I think we'll have to give him a full season. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, he he certainly seems to sort of... Uh, he reminds me a little bit of Nanny. I think that's the yeah. player I'd liken him to. He's Nanny was a, also an insanely gifted player, but he just sort of seemed to uh, do lots of tricks while standing still and then give the ball away. Um, yeah, it was never Pepe, quite effective yeah. at winning games. It was just effect, It just looked good in the highlights reel. Yeah, I think Pepe's a better player than Nanny, um, but a similar, similar flaw to his game. So we'll see whether he manages to overcome that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a very interesting game for like very interesting player for the football highlights and actually watching a watching a game of football. But in fantasy terms, at nine point three million, I think he's uh, he's one to stay away from. Yeah, it's true. There aren't any points for dribbling past players, right? So, yeah. All right, good. Thank you, Matt. Um, we're going to take a little break there after the uh, the upcoming fixtures before we go into the whipping boys and clean sheets. Welcome back. Um, so thank you for staying with us during the break. Uh, we're going to go through very quickly on the Whipping Boys and Clean Sheets for next week's fixtures. So we'll start with Whipping Boys. Um, Matt, I think you, you, you mentioned that, that you, you had one uh, that you thought looked like a, a Whipping Boy. Yeah, that's right. I'm, my Whipping Boy uh, suggestion is going to be Chelsea against Newcastle because uh, I'm not fooled by Newcastle's great result at Man United. Um, ben, do you have a, a different opinion? No, that's a good shout. I, I think I think Norwich could 
concede a lot against Bournemouth too, as my rogue, rogue whipping boy. So neither of you sees the team that lost at Newcastle last week <laughs> playing against the team that's just won eight games in a row as a potential whipping boy. Uh, I don't know. I, I think Manu are dreadful. Don't get me wrong. And uh, we have a very thin squad, a lack of talent, um, and our best players are all injured. Uh, but you are at home at Old Trafford again in, in the derby. I, I just feel that uh, as much as we might lose, I don't think we'll get thrashed. Maybe that's just being uh, blindly loyal, uh, but uh, that, that's my feeling. I, I think it's, it's more likely to see uh, lots of goals getting uh, chalked up for Chelsea or Bournemouth than it is for, for Man United, against Man United. Okay. Um, well, I uh, obviously I'm not, I'm not going to put my my name on a, a prediction for Man U to be the whipping boys either. So let's let's pick Newcastle as our whipping boys this week. But I uh, I am scared. Yeah. I mean, hang on, yeah. we're, <laughs> we're three Man U fans on this pod. We can't put Man U as the whipping boy. That's I just wrong. It, <laughs> I, I think it would ac- accurately uh, sum up the mood at Old Trafford right now. If we did, yeah. <laughs> All right, so Newcastle, the whipping boys, clean sheets. Um, ben, why don't you go first on clean sheets? I will go Leicester. I fancy keep a clean sheet against Burnley. Yeah, Burnley away, not as good as they are at home, so decent shout. Matt? Um, I'll go Chelsea. I think Newcastle will struggle to score goals. Good one. I, I think I'm going to go... Spurs at home. I think Watford are blunt, and I think Spurs are going to do another one of their like freak results against uh, where they, they are just better than the opposition. So I think Spurs might keep a clean sheet. Ben, uh, I think yeah, maybe Oof, Arsenal. I, I don't know if Sheffield United can attack that well, but that I'm not super confident about that one. Ben predicts Arsenal to keep a clean sheet. <laughs> <laughs> That was, that was for Duncan in his absence. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Duncan wouldn't predict that either. Um, <laughs> don't exactly have the uh, the most solid of back lines. Um, okay, Ben thinks Arsenal are going to keep a clean sheet. Matt? I think it's more likely that Liverpool keep a clean sheet than Arsenal keep a clean sheet. Yes, I, would, I, I think I'm not surprising anybody in saying I agree with that. Yeah, and I think Man U, I'd say we're, we're not the whipping boys because our defence is actually quite sound, even if it does concede one or two goals. Uh, but we're just so blunt in attack is our main problem at the moment. And uh, that could be exposed against, I think, the best defender in the world in Van Dijk and a pretty decent back line. Um, I, I, I can't see us breaking that very easily. Um, I think Wolves will keep a clean sheet against Southampton. Yeah, it's a good shout. Any more for any more? No. All right. Well, that brings us on then to the Fantasy Football FPL Fanatics um, podcast league. So, Ben, you're going to lead us through this. Why don't you talk us through how that league's going? Yeah, so I can can run through uh, the people at the top. Kevin Miles... Uh, still the runaway leader. He didn't have a great week, 29 points, but he's built up a solid lead. 
Um, in number two, a really amazing FPL player, myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm still holding on to that second spot, amazingly. Um, not quite sure how. Uh, Graham Sullivan, third. And then other Potter, Duncan, is also in fourth. And then uh, John Hartepe is fifth. Um, moving on to the more fun part, uh, people who scored a lot and um, didn't. <laughs> so uh, this week, game week eight, our top scorer with 77 points, amazing, is uh, Panji Amitra. Um, looking at his team, a couple of big highlights. We, we have a theory he's a Palace fan because he, he is Kelly and Ayu. Um, so Martin Kelly got seven points. Uh, Jordan Ayu got nine points. Um, he also played Lewis Dunk, so 10 points against Spurs. And he made the very sound decision of captaining Sadio Mane, which was really the standout captain pick. So really strong pick um, and a, a good week um, for Panji. Uh, the worst player in all our, all our league um, is this player called Gareth Taylor, who <laughs> <laughs> um, you may also know as Gary, as one of our potters, who scored a very lowly 27 points. Um, awful game week. Uh, Captain Sterling, um, obviously blanked. His only person who, who scored any points was Tammy Abram with eight points. Elsewhere, this team is littered with one-pointers, um, which is truly awful. Um, and to rub salt in the wound, James Madison, who got seven points, is, is firmly on... Gary's bench. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to make of this. Uh, I feel like Gary wildcarded only a couple of weeks ago too. So this must be a tough one to take for Gary. And maybe, maybe you shouldn't be listening to his, his advice. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you guys have any other comments on, on Gary's team. Yeah, with it being so tough to take, Ben, I'm, I'm, I, I'm sure he appreciates you not taking too much of the opportunity to rub it in. So. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it was a low bar this week as well, wasn't it? That he limboed under with uh, uh, quite a few sort of twenty-eight and twenty-nine pointers in the in the league. So it wasn't even like it was a high-scoring week and, be, and still got a decent score. Twenty-seven is pretty poor. Um, obviously rescued me from uh, from being bottom as well because I only got thirty-six points. So thanks, Gary. I, I really appreciate you uh, <laughs> taking one for the team there. Good. All right. Well, we've got to look ahead at next week and figure out what we're going to do with our team, Ben. So uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, so I was, I was looking at our team and it, I mean, it's pretty well set up um, because we did only wildcard a couple of weeks ago um, and we do have a transfer bank. So we do have uh, room to play with. I think looking at our team, um, you know, we, we have some, we have it structurally set up well. I think Mane, Aguero, Tammy Abraham um, are all kind of mainstays. I think the big decision, I think, come... And we probably want to give Son maybe his last week against Watford at home. I think I think it comes down to what we do with De Bruyne if he's still injured. Um, so I was thinking if KDB is still injured, we could bring in James Madison um, at, at a cheaper price. And then that would allow us to upgrade. I was thinking maybe Son later on next game week to someone... You could go Son to someone really expensive like a Sterling 
or you could do a Greenwood to someone um, mid-priced. Um, unfortunately, we don't, we can't get to a Greenwood to to Callum Wilson or anything like that. But we we could do a Greenwood to a, a seven point two million type forward. Um, and I was thinking maybe you could do Josh King, but um, obviously not as exciting as Callum Wilson. So. Um, I was, I was, I was thinking we wait for the De Bruyne injury news before we, we decide to play around. Um, don't know what you guys think. Um, I think we might want to look at the uh, the transfer you mentioned earlier because I think that the, like you said, we want we want to hang on to Son for one more week, um, but the tra- the week when we transfer Son and save a bunch of money, we want to have two transfers that week, right? So I don't think we, I don't think we want to make two this week. I think we want to make one, one this week and keep a carryover. So maybe Greenwood for Connolly could be the transfer this week. Um, and then if we, if he does indeed get points against Aston Villa, then we could, uh, we could take advantage of that. Um, and then next week we take their saving on Son and use the other transfer to make an upgrade um, somewhere else. Maybe, maybe in the midfield um, or maybe even looking at Otamendi being such a weak link, maybe upgrade from Otamendi to um, one of the Liverpool defenders. Hmm. We were all having really different different thoughts because my thinking was, I'm just looking at Aguero there and thinking I'd quite like Aubameyang instead. That would save some money. And then if he did the Ben style, dump either Son or De Bruyne for Madison then maybe we could be looking at upgrading Greenwood to a Callum Wilson um, the, the, the game week following. Mm, that is also a good shout. <laughs> but the maths work on that. Let's try that now. So if I take out Son, take out Aguero, take out uh, Rumi Flair, take okay. out Greenwood. So what, what are we looking at? So instead of Son, we'd want Madison. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Let me do it right now. I'm already doing it. I'm ahead of you. <laughs> So adding in Madison there, we're going to add in Abamyang up front, um, and then what does that you, leave yeah, us with? Yeah, it does work. It does work. About eight point one is eight point one enough to buy Callum Wilson? Yeah, yeah he's seven point nine. So which one of those three are we looking at this week? Well, the question: Do we do a four point hit for it now because we're greedy, or do we? Do we just like start to build up towards it? In which case, we have to do one of the transfers that saves us some money. So it's either Son or Aguero. I don't think the four-point hit is worth it because Son against Watford looks like a, a decent yeah. shout to me. I think uh, what we might want to do, if we get, my shout is if we're going to do that, it should be Aguero for Aubameyang this week. Although it's not the it's not a good way to do that because yeah, it's um, he's a at Sheffield United. I can see Aguero scoring his powers. I mean, he does score against everyone. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, he does score against everyone, I guess. But mm. but I know he's against Lundstram, so he's, he might struggle. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I was feeling quite hopeful about Arsenal until you did the preview, Matt, and now I'm you've changed my mind. I'm not <laughs> I'm not that hopeful about that game anymore. Um, tricky one. That the other thing is, I think Otamendi is a liability, and we would be stuck with him at the end of all that. Yeah, but Palace, Palace away is not the worst fixture. No, I mean being stuck with him for like the next five weeks if we do that. Yeah, they've got how many? They've got Villa at home and then Southampton at home, the two game weeks after. So even if he's a bad defender, he still has really tasty fixtures. 
You think yeah, there's got to there's got to be a clean sheet in there somewhere. We definitely want him out by game week twelve because then they've got Liverpool and then Chelsea, right? So we want it out by then. Yeah. Well, should should we do the Connolly move now, and then we can still do this move next week for a hit? I mean, it makes no sense to do nothing, right? <laughs> it doesn't, no. But the thing is with the Connolly move, like we'd be transferring in Connolly and then for one week, and then getting rid of him the following week, which seems a bit pointless. Yeah. Is that if we're going to make one transfer this week for roughly equivalent value, is there not somewhere else we could use that that's actually going to stick? Uh, Cantwell's not looking so trendy anymore. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that's that, true. I don't, we don't want no money in the bank, so it's it's difficult to upgrade him or find another viable four and a half ish million player. We could we could do Otamendi to Tomori to just have some money in the bank for. Give us flexibility for next week. All we could do is offer Mendy to Matip. Matip, that's isn't he? Is he injured? No, he's, oh, he's got a yellow this week. But he'll when he's when he's back, he'll be first team, won't he? I mean, Liverpool are really good, but their fixtures are quite tough. Um, so, are they Man United, Tottenham, Villa? Does that sound that doesn't sound that tough to me? Well, and and Man City, so. In four weeks' um, in, time, I know so. that Spurs and Man United aren't so, so great at the moment. But if if you were thinking of teams that might score against Liverpool, they'd probably be fairly high up. I'm not sure about Tomori because I don't think Chelsea are good at defending. I think they're a really attacking side. Um, I wonder whether um, Ben Chilwell might be the answer. Double up on lesser defence. Yeah, with their tasty upcoming run of fixtures to full back he, he's a, a fullback who likes to get forward um, and he is definitely going to play every game isn't he yeah I, I quite like that what do you think Matt um, I like it I just I, I don't know if Otamendi is like the surgery area uh, yeah I think Cantwell and Greenwood are the, the areas I've been looking to yeah. Sort of get better first teamers in. We've already solved the Greenwood issue, haven't we? So I think it's Cam- that, that means we're looking at Camwell. But do we? Do who, we? Uh, who uh, is I, I still yeah. think I'd go back. I, I still think that maybe the Aguero to Bamiyang to build up for the Greenwood upgrade the game week after is the the way to go. Yeah, I'm I'm also good with that. Um, it feels like a sideways move this week, but it does set us up better for next week yeah it's strategic rather than tactical isn't it yeah all right shall we shall we have that as our placeholder move bearing any news that kdb's out for three months or something <laughs> yeah yeah i mean obviously that would that would uh should we do we want to make a contingency plan for if we do get news that de bruyne's out for the year i think that's to madison then isn't it that, that yeah would be a, i yeah i would do to bruyne to madison so, yeah. that, so then we hang on to son yeah yeah. Uh, um, question I had was, who do we captain? This is pretty tough because you have Son at home to Watford, you have Mane, and then obviously Aguero, uh, Obama Yang, or, or Aguero. Um, no s- obvious options, but um, oh, and you have Tammy Abraham too. <laughs> yeah. Um... That's a point, actually. Is, is Madison the right one for next week, or is uh, Mason Mount a better pick? 
he's cheaper. Yeah, Mason Mount's one of those players that you just assume you have in now because he's like so popular. Um, and that would that would actually save. Wait a minute, wait a minute. He's not Mason in our Mount. hive team, and that might save. That saves more money, right? If yeah. We, if we just do Son for Mount, let me just do that now to see what happens when with the how much money we have then. Uh, where is he? Mason Mount, six point eight. Uh, his value has actually gone up quite a lot now. So we then have three million in the bank, which get, it isn't doesn't make that much difference actually because Mount's value's risen so much. Never mind. But I think Mount might be a better pick than Madison. Yeah, potentially. I, waiting on De Bruyne news. I'm yeah. tempted to go really punty and captain Son. <laughs> <laughs> that is punty, um, but he's playing centre forward, so against a really bad Watford side, it might not. It might work. Well, the sensible option would probably be Tammy Abraham, right? Or or Mane. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, do we want to captain Sadio Mane? Again, can I say that we are three Man United fans? I don't think we should be selecting as Sadio Mane <laughs> is the captain. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on Tammy Abraham for now, and we can decide later. Um, the other question I had was, I'm gonna bring in Soyonchu home to Burnley. Do we have thoughts? on Rico at home to Norwich versus Diop versus Cantwell. Diop is away to Everton. I think not Cam- Cam- I think, I think not Cantwell. Agree. Diop or Rico? I would go Rico. I'd go Rico because Rico takes okay. uh, set pieces, I think. Does he take corners, I think? And is yeah. it like, he might He might get a random clean sheet. You never know. Okay. Uh, sorted. Um, I won't do anything until I hear it on De Bruyne, but um, we look in pr- fairly good shape this week. Okay, good. Thank you. I think we're there. I think, we, I think we've got our picks. So, reminder to anybody who wants to compete with our Hive Mind team um, the, uh, the FPL FF Fanatics podcast league code is K070, sorry, K0700F. Oof on the end there, K0700F. So please come join us and, uh, and compete with our Hive Mind team. Or indeed, if you're that good, try and compete with Ben, who's in second place. Well, it's, it's more like compete so that Gary isn't last every week, you know. Yeah, if somebody wants to, to lift, lift, lift <laughs> Gary up, up off the floor, then yeah, maybe, uh, maybe enter a team that has some, uh, some picks even worse than his. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. Um, we're going to take one last break before getting into the gut fronts. Now the fans are shouting every week, Louis van Gaal's army! Louis van Gaal's army! So also the fans are very satisfied with Louis van Gaal. Welcome back, everybody. Um, we are going to go back into our gut punts for the week now, and Matt is going to lead us on that. So Matt, do you want to take us through what happened last week first? Um, so yes, yeah, so last week... Um, in sort of ascending order, uh, Ben was at the bottom with uh, going for Paul Pogba as his gut punt. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, all the signs were there, but he uh, he, he, got, <laughs> <laughs> he he got a minus one uh, because uh, he was the most expensive player uh, out of all our gut punts, and he proceeded not to play a single minute of the match. So uh, not a great gut punt in the end. Uh, and then, but but it was punty though. You got to give me that. Well, it I mean, was 
Punty. Yes. <laughs> Punty in the, the extent that you picked the most expensive player. Uh, uh, but yeah, that didn't come off. <laughs> then <laughs> Duncan and Yarmolenko. Um, I think a pretty sound pick, uh, but he only got one point this week, um, uh, which is unfortunate. I think he cost it and Haller just smashed it straight at the goalkeeper, which would have uh, been a bit of a game changer for the game week there. Um, then we've got Wood on two points for Andy. Um, again, pretty sound pick, just just didn't come off this week. Um, then Gary, uh, the very punty sacker for Arsenal. Uh, I mean, he didn't really do anything, but he did get a clean sheet bonus point and played over 60 minutes. So that gave him three points. Plus, he was the most punty pick, so he got a plus one for that to give him four points. And finally, uh, given that I've been dreadful at the gut punts this season, uh, I had one to, that came off with uh, Alonso. Uh, get me a clean sheet minus a yellow card. Uh, so that gave me five points. So that was a pretty mixed performance last week, I think we could say. Uh, I, I don't think that doesn't sound very mixed to me, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, pretty poor, shabby performance where... Uh, pretty consistent five, across the board, I'd say. Five points is the best we can uh, yeah, rustle up between all of us. Um, <laughs> so, so it's time for gut punts this week. So, Ben, who's your gut punt? I'm going to back my earlier prediction of... Norwich getting thrashed. So I'm going to pick Harry Wilson at 6.1 million, 3.6% ownership. Uh, I feel pretty good about that one. Better than Paul Pogba. <laughs> we shall see. We shall see. Well, yeah, I don't think you're going to get minus one for the most expensive one there, are you? So at least, that, <laughs> at least there's that. Um, Andy, who's your gut punt this week? Um, I see playing Newcastle, who uh, I, I feel might be a little bit uh, complacent after their result last week as a, a good um, sort of breeding ground for, for gut punts. So I'm going to pick Callum Hudson-Odoi. I suspect he might come in for that game. Uh, he played 76 minutes last week and looked very good. Um, I think that he's part of Lampard's long-term plan. And so I see this as his, uh, his comeback game. Yeah, that's a pretty sound pick. I was, um, I remember surveying the gut punt options and thinking he was very tempting. I just wasn't quite sure if he'd get the game time because uh, he's just coming back. Um, are you confident there? Well, like I say, he played, uh, he played most of the game last time out. Um, so I think he's fit enough to play, to start games, even if he doesn't finish them. Um, and for that position, it's quite common not to finish games anyway. It's the sort of wide forwards are the most commonly substituted positions. So um, I think, I don't think him being sub is necessarily a sign that he's not going to play next week. So, yeah, I think uh, I, there is competition for the, for the roles, but I think the Lampard's preferred lineup is probably with Mount in the middle and um, two from Pedro, Willian, Hudson, Odoi and Pulisic on the wings. And I think it's pretty clear that um, he'd most, he'd like to be playing Hudson, Odoi as the first choice out of those four. So, yeah, I, I think he's, uh, I think he's going to play, and I think at five point nine million as well for anyone out there. I've just transferred him in because I think that's going to go up as soon as he starts playing. Yeah, that's a, it's a good, it's a good gut punt. That I think that's a potential one for, for our teams as well to, uh, to be, to be looking very closely at. Uh, my one is probably less for the teams just yet, but I'm going to go for Anwar El Ghazi for Aston Villa. 
who um, I think I was the only one arguing that Aston Villa might be favourites against Brighton, but they're certainly on goal-scoring form. And uh, old Anwar has uh, got two goals and three assists this season. All of them have come in his last... No, sorry, hang on. Most of them have come in his last three game weeks where he's like got points uh, every, every, every week in the last three game weeks. Um, yeah, and he just seems five and a half million. Just seems to be uh, sort of where everyone's talking about McGinn. Maybe El Ghazi's the guy to have. He's uh, seems to be racking up the points. Yeah, I I think he's a, a decent pick, El Ghazi. I think he's um, he, he seems to have flown under the radar, um, but he, like you say, the sort of stats bear that out. The one thing with Villa assets, apart from McGinn, right now, is that they might be slightly flattered by last week's results. So. This will be the week, I guess, where we find out whether that whether that's true or not. So if he, if that comes off, then Al Ghazi could be a really good pick. Yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed that I can slowly climb up from last place in our gut punk lead at the moment. Um, I've got quite a lot of catching up to do still. Um, and then at the time of uh, time of recording, we don't have Duncan's gut punt just yet. But Gary, uh, who is currently winning our our gut punt league, he should probably deploy some of that is actual fantasy team um, <laughs> has gone for Phil Billings so hear it here first Phil Billings is the one to go for uh, apparently and he was the first to call it wasn't he as well so he picked Phil Billings ahead of Harry Wilson yep he had the pick of anyone he wanted in the league and he's gone for Phil Bills uh, who's got one assist to his name so far this season yeah well the Mavericks have on as I had it referred to before it's it's um, it's it's the puntiest punt I'd say so far. So uh, maybe that's that bonus point that he was going for, just to uh, just to chalk chalk an extra point up. Something I'm quite surprised not to hear anybody picking out as a gut punt. Maybe Duncan will do this. Is um, with Mohamed Salah missing, it's one for either Origi or Shakiri. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure Sal is going to be back after his his break. Andy, That's my... we, we were trying to we, we were in the fixtures. We we tried to jump over Man United Liverpool as quickly as possible. Do you have to keep bringing it back to that? <laughs> I don't know. Like uh, when when you've got some, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a train heading towards us at like 100 miles an hour. <laughs> it's definitely coming. I feel like we should be talking about it. <laughs> Head in the sand. Come on. <laughs> You're not seeing what Brexit's been doing the last two years? <laughs> yeah, fortunately, I uh, I think that two years from now, we uh, probably will have moved on from Man U against Liverpool. Anyway, um, anything more on gut punts, Matt? No, that's it. Um, let's see how those gut punts do. All right. Thank you very much. I think that brings us to the end of our podcast then. Thank you very much for joining us, listeners. And thank you for your comments, Matthew. Thank you. And uh, let's hope Hala keeps up his record for me. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. And um, I'm eagerly awaiting the end of international break so I can watch some football. <laughs> yeah, as am I. And I'm looking forward to not having to talk about Man U Liverpool anymore. So thank you very much, everyone. Have a great week.